0: And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Hi, this is Sarah Trot. Welcome back to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Esther Gallagher.
1: Hi, everybody. Hi.
0: (laughs) Today, we have a great topic, which is all about visitation and visitors. And it's a topic we've touched on and discussed as part of other episodes. But today, this is a dedicated deep dive on the subject. So... Esther, you've had so much experience working with postpartum parents, and the subject comes up constantly from what you tell me. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, it does. And, you know, when I'm uh, fortunate enough to be working with clients who I'll be both their birth doula and their postpartum doula, we usually have an opportunity to speak about what's it going to look like when you're postpartum and who's going to visit and why and how and what they need to maybe know to make good decisions around that. But I do find that it's, um, it's an interesting, uh, situation when I'm on the other side, not having worked with clients prenatally. Um, and it's always interesting whether or not, but when I'm working with them, just for postpartum care, often these questions are coming up in the first two weeks um, and or situations are arising that are either quite lovely or, to be um, brutally honest, very, very stressful for new parents uh, when uh, visitors arrive and really just either don't understand or don't want to understand how vulnerable new parents are on every level. So I thought it's time for us to just do that little deep dive. And I want to reiterate something from past episodes and say that while I will be speaking using the term breastfeeding parents specifically, I am not emotionally excluding any parent. Okay. I think that, as I've said in the past, the metaphors of how we care for our children are deep and abiding. And while I, do have the tendency to focus on the physiology of breastfeeding and the hormone changes and all of the things that are happening simultaneously, there is always so much going on. um, When there is a new family member uh, in the home and, uh, and there's quite a lot of adjustment that has to happen. And it's, Always lovely if people can be very, very respectful of that reality. Um, and I'm hoping this podcast episode will will address um, not only the why, but perhaps a little bit of the how. Sarah uh, is gonna jump in uh, with questions um, and so uh, we'll just get started. So I want to say um, that, you know, when there's there's a new baby in the house, um, everything's disrupted. Sleep is disrupted. Eating is disrupted. Uh, self-care, brushing your teeth, going to the toilet, uh, um, brushing your hair. Like all of the daily routines are disrupted as you are um, responding to somebody whose needs are 24-7 and broken up in very, very short increments, uh, whether that's eating or sleeping um, relative to their developmental state. So it's sometimes difficult for people who haven't been pregnant and or haven't been going through the Adoption process where everything is on somebody else's time frame to walk into your home and be sensitive to uh that very fundamental fact that you are you are, you are biologically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually attuned to somebody who at any moment will fall asleep, wake up, need a diaper change, need a burping rinse and repeat. Um, And that doesn't seem like such a big deal. Oh, people show up, we visit, it's no big deal. I have to take care of the baby. Um, But if you're doing that on little or no sleep, if that baby's sleeping while your visitor is there, um, that two-hour nap you might have had could be the nap of the day that keeps you sane for the rest of the twelve hours that you're up against currently. So um, I think that I'm going to just kind of go through my little list of uh, things that it would be really, really lovely if our listeners, um, particularly those who don't have babies, uh, could really think about and really, really take into consideration and wrap your minds and hearts around uh, before you decide that it's important for you to visit somebody with a brand new baby. So at the top of my list is that parents with new babies, especially in the first three months, and all the more, especially in the first six weeks, because babies are not in any kind of rhythm or routine uh, yet, Um, that the parents really must sleep when the baby sleeps. If they're not sleeping when the baby sleeps, they cannot possibly accrue enough restorative sleep, enough rest that will help their wounds heal uh, their minds, uh, stabilize, uh, their cardiovascular system come into, um, a healthy place. I mean, all of the things that have to happen physiologically, uh, when you're healing and recovering from giving birth have to now happen in small increments. Nobody says, Hey, go sleep for 12 hours. It'll be okay. Okay. And that's especially true if you're a breastfeeding mother. Uh, there's no way your body's going to let that happen. Your breast will be waking you up to feed that baby, uh, whether or not the baby's awake <laughs> sometimes. So sleep is critical, and parents need to sleep when babies are sleeping. So if you're not somebody who can show up, Go in the kitchen, prepare the food that you've brought over, uh, feed those parents while their baby is awake breastfeeding, and notice, oh, the baby's asleep now. Maybe it's time for the parents to go lie down. If you're not that person, you probably don't belong in the household of somebody who has a baby under the age of six weeks old. And I know that's really strong. But I'm going to just say that I'm the person who shows up after you've been there and sees how wrecked new moms and their partners, if they have partners, are after your visit. <laughs> um, a corollary of this is that uh, new parents cannot entertain so if you show up thinking that they're going to make you lunch and boil the water for your tea and sit for three hours and hear all about your life and what's going on and discuss the terrible news, uh, political, social and otherwise, um, then you really do not do not understand um, what is going on for parents with babies under the age of six weeks, let alone three months. Well, Esther, I yeah. mean, we've been
0: dying to see this baby. We've been so excited. <laughs> we threw a baby shower. We love the baby. How else is the parent going to know that we love them if we don't show up?
1: Well, there's lots of ways they could know that. Um, that's a brilliant question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the hard news which is just because you love the baby, you are not entitled to a visit. Okay. Uh, There are lots of ways to communicate your love. You can write a card. You can send an email. You can send the gift of food. You can help pay for the postpartum doula. You can ask politely in a non-obtrusive way, um, what are the ways that that you think would be really helpful to you um, right now while you're healing and recovering and learning about your new baby? Uh, You can think about how patient you might want to be and communicate how patient you're willing to be between now and whenever those parents determine that, in fact, they are ready and able to have a visit. And you can respect whatever boundaries those parents have expressed in terms of that. We're not ready. Uh, We need two to six weeks to integrate these big changes we're going through. We love you. We're looking forward to seeing you, but we need some space around ourselves to heal and recover. So let's say I'm mom and (laughs) I thought about
0: this beforehand and I told my friends, I'll probably need some downtime. I've been thinking about it. I'll let you know when I'm ready, Mm -hmm. but I'm so excited to show off my baby. Don't I need to just buck up and make it work and warm some hors d'oeuvres and open the champagne and show off my perfect baby.
1: Well, that's so lovely because of course, parents very much are so, you know, excited and proud most of the time and, and, and really right out of the gate can make some big mistakes about all that because they feel so good on day two. That they say to people, oh my gosh, we can't wait. And then by day five, when they've invited friends over, they're a little bit of a train wreck and they really can't handle it, right? I mean, you probably remember the changes, right, Sarah? Like the first couple of days postpartum, you were sort of surprised how great you felt. I know I was. <laughs> and I and this oh, yeah. is a long time ago. I remember this 40 years ago. <laughs> what I slept so great that first day that was fantastic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right? And my baby just slept so well. Yeah, yes. But things are changing so dramatically from day to day that any plants that we make today really, really could be subject, hopefully, to veto. On the day that we planned them for, and so that's another approach, right? That's something to keep in your back pocket. You can say to people, "Hey, we're thinking we'd like to you, to have you over, and we're thinking that you know Thursday afternoon at two o'clock would be good." We know that um, you know things can change quickly with a baby, and and we can't promise a visit that will last even an hour. But if you feel like you want to perhaps drop by from two to three, we'll see how it goes. And I just want to warn you based on the advice of my postpartum doula that it may be that within the hour of seeing you as last minute, as as half an hour or so, we may have to call and say, we just can't do it. We just cannot do it today. So if you have those kinds of friends and family, let's hope you do, um, that can hear that and understand that you know something about your experience, um, then you're kind of good to go, right? I think all of this, the best thing about all of this would be if people can retain kind of imminent flexibility around these questions, um, and not make any solid plans. I mean, the the problems that parents, new parents run into again and again and again, because we live in this long distance neo-local society is they tell their parents they're pregnant and what their due date is, and their parents have already bought the plane ticket <laughs> and don't want to change it for some reason, right? So that that's, again, the other reason situation where we run into, run into problems of the same nature. And now this is not black
0: and white, is it? Because you might really, really get the support you need from a parent or good meeting friend who has bought their plane ticket. So how Mm -hmm. do we, what are the, what are the signs or signals of when it's a good thing versus a less good thing?
1: Well, I like to always say to my clients I want you to sit quietly with this question. I have no judgments and you know, these people, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses vis-a-vis everything we've discussed, right? You know, whether they're the person you would call up if you, you know, had to be hospitalized um, (laughs) for some reason. Right. So, When I'm working prenatally with couples, I ask them to sit quietly with themselves and each other, if they have each other, and ask themselves, you know, really, without any form of denial, without the love you have for these people getting in the way, so to speak... Each of these people who ex- have, may have expressed the desire to help you in some way, to show up for you in some way, to visit you, and they've told you when they want to come, whatever those, that list of people is, go through individually and make really good decisions about whether or not this is somebody who you trust to be in your presence in a non-judgmental way, in a non-egocentric way, in a loving and helpful way. Um, if they're in your home visiting you, are they somebody that you can say, "Gee, I'm tired now. Uh, the baby's sleeping. I'm going to go take a rest. I can't talk any longer." Um, that that person can go entertain themselves outside your home. And either return at an appropriate time or spend the rest of the day. Um, how does that sound, Sarah? Like just remembering to stop and not just have to say yes to everybody. And then the second part of that would be think about how you can communicate to people in advance about things like the kind of bandwidth you're having. So I kind of went over that earlier, but you can sort of set the stage, plant the seeds, so to speak, and say things like when we're ready for visitors, short, helpful visits are going to be what we can integrate. And then you tell People, you know, everybody gets the same message. It's one email sent to everybody, right? So there's no unfairness. We're not directing one set of people one way and another set of people another way. But grocery shopping, laundry, meal and snack preparation, baby care in the form of diaper changes and burping uh, while you have a chance to use the bathroom yourself. So these are simple tasks. Most people ought to know how to do them. If they don't know how to do any of these tasks, then they don't belong in your house in the first six weeks, honestly, right? (laughs)
0: Because how how else can they
1: be helpful? Huh?
0: I'm just laughing, I I like
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if they can hold a baby while you go to the bathroom, I mean, even people who are uh, somewhat infirm Or, you know, elderly, if they can hold a baby and they want to hold a baby and they have a way to get into your home and out of your home safely in a timely fashion, great, right? Uh, And I think, you know, I think just having a realistic idea of what people are capable of and frankly, what they're not capable of. If they're not capable of not telling their terrible story of birth and postpartum to you when you're in the thick of your own story, which may or may not be terrible. (laughs) Um, you know, if they are not capable of some containment, uh, you might think twice about whether you're ready for them when you're in that very, very emotionally vulnerable state of the first six weeks postpartum. Now, the other approach Sarah and by way of answering that desire <laughs> of everybody who says when can we come see the baby hmm uh, I think the planes are approaching hold on yep
0: <laughs> it's Fleet week Esther we did this we did this last year too we recorded on I Saturday.
1: know. I remember bad timing. Um, So another bit of advice I've given to some parents, which has worked for some parents, but been mildly disastrous for others, is the idea that you're going to wait for a month or two, and then you're going to have a two hour potluck and everybody gets to come and everybody brings food and you'll have some non-parental adult who is the host. Um, so you, you designate that truly stellar friend. Maybe it's a friend to put on your shower for you before you have the baby and they are the host and That way you can leave, you can go upstairs to your own bedroom if that's a good place for you to take a break and get a nap while people are partying, or you show up for an hour, eat other people's potluck offerings, and then you go before other people leave and they can party and you can get out of there because your actual physical bandwidth for something like this is going to be very short. Um, But this way, everyone who isn't sick can show up in one place, say hello to you, see your gorgeous baby, give you well wishes, have a meal with you, and then you're off the hook. Everyone's gotten the thing they say they wanted. I love that idea of having a gathering.
0: Everyone comes. It's exactly the time you need. You know it's when baby's going to be awake, ideally. And it's a great event to eat.
1: Yeah, and you're, and it's limited, right? It's mm-hmm. clearly bounded by what mom can do, right? Mm-hmm. If she has to show up a little late, nobody's going to get hurt. If she has to leave a little early, nobody's going to be hurt, right? You know, now that we've sort of hit some of the how tos. I'm going to circle around to the whys. And I'm going to start by saying this, and that's that parents in the first three months are in such a state of physiological, social, emotional, and spiritual transition. And that's an energetic process. It it can become exhausting for some, it it, very quickly. Uh, And and what can be exacerbating of that is when the attention and energy is drawn away from them in this project to something that they really don't have the energy for, which is pretty much everything in my many years of observation. And this is why I say uh, again and again that to new parents and about new parents that you don't owe anyone your birth story that each time you tell your birth story, if it is not uh, a moment of joy and empowerment, that you are not obligated to revisit things about your experience with people uh, other than those people who you wish to um, just because you went through it, uh, that can become uh traumatizing and re-traumatizing and that you uh, should not be put in the position to have to manage others at all it's all you have the bandwidth for to get from one meal to the next, one sleep to the next one toilet break to the next um, and have the time To just enjoy being in the presence of your new person and your family. So, uh, really, I just encourage new parents to make a lot of spaciousness around themselves. Uh, The reality in our culture, as Sarah, you'll remember, is that, you know, if you haven't had a home birth... You're going to be expected to leave your home to go to a pediatrician's visit. You're going to be expected to leave your home to go to, uh, you know, uh, obstetrical follow-up visit. Maybe not until six weeks, but you might not be ready at six weeks. Um, You're going to be asked to take care of yourself at the speed and on the timeline and schedule of others in the American medical, uh, system that's already too much. Um, so, you know, being able to just have the spaciousness to rest, to recover, to begin to make sense of all of this, to go through, um, the joy and grief and, stress and excitement to experience to experience those things fully in the time that they are happening right you cannot postpone a baby's growth spurt they're going through it whether or not you're ready whether or not you'll have time to recover uh you cannot postpone a breastfeed baby needs to eat they need to eat um Right. So all, all of these elements, um, you cannot postpone uh, day three when your estrogen and progesterone uh, hormone levels dive into the toilet and you feel irritable and anxious. That That's going to happen whether you're ready for it or not. And so to make some time and space around yourself some protection for yourself in that vulnerability and to have on board people around you who will do so on your behalf is no small thing. You know, birth is usually very, very often accompanied by wounding. You will have physical wounds and perhaps emotional, social wounds that need time to repair You can't postpone that. Your body's going to do the best it can with all of this. You need time to integrate the changes that breastfeeding is going to create for you. So all of these things just need a nice, big, soft nest around the mother and the family when they are happening. And as you know from listening to this podcast, listeners, that I am somebody who thinks that the message that moms should just buck up and push through is um, is unkind, uncompassionate, and potentially very, very dangerous for new moms, physiologically, mental health-wise, and certainly emotionally. So I think that covers what I think is important for parents to be new parents and everybody who might be in their purview as well as those of you who are not planning to be parents currently who don't have any friends that might be going to have babies anytime soon we all need to know these things about this transition in people's lives. After all, we were all babies during that transition in life. And uh, no doubt uh, experienced whatever was going on ourselves, whether or not we remember it. And I think in respect to babies and new mothers, it wouldn't hurt if all of us learned about this transitional state and how to respect and honor it appropriately. Thank you so
0: much for sharing your wisdom, Esther. As always, we've learned so much from you about this topic. In particular, I would love to follow up with you on this subject as it relates to outside help for the family, mm-hmm. because I think these topics can be confusing and overlap, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You're setting boundaries and protecting the new parent and the baby experience for what's best for rest and recovery and bonding and self-identity and all of these major topics
1: Mm -hmm. right out the
0: gate. But then also there's the other topic of, and how do I get the support I do need, which is different from visitors. It's different from people dropping off a gift. It's different from people wanting to cuddle your baby and say hi. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about that next time.
1: I think it's a great subject.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks as always. So I think now's a good time for us to sign off. I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website, which is fourth Please go and sign up for our newsletter. So you can be reminded of every time we publish an article and hear other great stuff from us too, which is outside of the podcast. So thank you listeners. We love you so much. Hang in there, share the podcast with every new and expecting parent in your life, and we'll talk to you next time.
1: Yay. (laughs) Bye.
0: Bye. Hello again, bicycle man, I know you're doing all that you can. I wrote the song, simple and true. I wrote the song, I sing a song for you. that you can I wrote the song simple and true I wrote the song I sing a song for you